Paul's second letter to the Corinthians 6 16-18, 7-1. Brethren, you are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from them, and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch nothing unclean, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, and make holiness perfect in the fear of God. Dash 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 dash. This passage is a good example of first century terminology carrying a meaning that we in the 21st century may miss. As Paul is here writing to the church in the city of Corinth, his audience would have converted from paganism or Judaism. And in either case, his use of the term the temple would have carried a very specific meaning. In both Judaism and the other religions of the ancient world, the temple was the place where the God dwelt. Knowing and understanding this concept, Paul used it to show that no longer was religious life one about going to a specific location so as to interact with one's God. Now, since the Incarnation, God no longer dwells in a special building but, as the one true God, and the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, God now dwells in His people. Religious life has changed from God being out there to God living in here. Paul refers back to God's first interaction with His people as shown in the Mosaic Law. When God gave the Israelites the law through Moses, the one incredibly important distinction was made. From that point forward, the identity of the Israelites would directly be tied to their separation from all other people and being part of the people of YHWH. For the Israelite, separation and cleanliness were two of the distinguishing marks. Reality would then be Jews and Gentiles and clean and unclean, all based on the law given on Mount Sinai. Living under the details of the law, obedience to that law would bring the blessing of God. As the Israelites became the people of God, it was not a matter of master and slave but one of father to children. As Paul continues, he takes those distinctions and applies them to the followers of Christ. In this we see that Paul and the apostles and the church at this time, all understood that Christianity was not a new religion but was the fulfillment of Judaism. As Jesus fulfilled the old covenant law, his work became the new reality. He is the perfection of obedience. He is the sacrificial lamb that took away the sins of the world. He is the high priest that intercedes for all men. As the God-man, he destroyed the separation that man's sin created between God and man. No longer would man be unable to come into the presence of God, for the power of sin and death had been destroyed. Now, God is not just approachable but is He who inhabits His people. As Paul closes the passage he makes one other very important point. He reminds the church that we, as the people of God, are called to be clean in both body and spirit. The Christian faith is not one of merely external rules. It is not one of a spirit trapped in a body that is waiting to be freed from the prison of the flesh. It is telling that Paul claims the promises given to the Old Covenant Israelites as fulfilled to the church. When he says, since we have these promises, he understands that everything during the Old Covenant has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ and the promises given are realized in the church. Notice as well that he says since we have, not an expectation of fulfillment but a possession of fulfillment. All of the promises given during the Old Covenant have come to fruition. His next comment is one of this should be our response to the fulfillment of these promises. Because Jesus Christ has accomplished redemption for all mankind, we ought to respond with the pursuit of holiness. Because God has done this for us, we should respond appropriately. God created man as a body and soul. These two aspects of humanity make man what he is. Even after physical death and after the final judgment, man will experience the second resurrection into a physical body that is perfect. He will not be merely a spirit, spending eternity in a disembodied state. The time that man has been given on earth is for the pursuit of holiness. Holiness in body and holiness in spirit. 
This means that sin can take place in the physical and in the spiritual. As followers of Christ, our faithfulness is not merely as obedience to external laws but is instead a pursuit of comprehensive holiness. Because of the restorative work of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the relationship between God and man is changed. No longer is God found in a temple behind a curtain. No longer are bloody animal sacrifices given to show man the horrible consequences for his sin. No longer is there a human priesthood that stands between God and man. Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of these roles and has brought man back into a loving relationship with his Creator. The right response to such a radical change is that of pursuing a life of holiness.